If you're wondering why I carry this, Mayo Clinic said you're going to fall. And they were not kidding. I've fallen so many times in the last year, but God caught me, it seemed like, every time. So I don't want anybody talking about how old I am. If you do, I'm going to hit you so many times with this cane. When I get through, it's going to look like a toothpick in my hand. I'm old. I don't need that. Do you want to know how old I am? This is not a joke. In 1720, my ancestor, my great, great, forever great grandfather, left the country of France to sail to the U.S. That's over 300 years. In two years, we will, we will celebrate 300 years here in the U.S. I don't know about you Cajuns, how tippidos and fontanos and tippidos and all that stuff, but I come from a real English name, Pierre Mayu, my great, 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 forever great grandfather. And I am the male, the man, who lived more years than anyone in the last 300 years in the lineage of my family. That's called grace, mercy. And so it's proud to be able to walk with this cane. It's just proud to be able to walk. And I have a friend here, I think he's related to uh, uh, Pastor, lovely daughter or wife, whichever, beautiful wife, Tanya. And I told him, and her dad's here, and I said to him, look, if that thing falls out on me, I'm going to borrow that thing you push back here. Well, we're going to make it today. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You've supported me almost since Pierre Mayu landed. You supported Mexico Ministries. And your support hasn't been $10 a month. I appreciate $10 a month, but you can only buy two gallons of gasoline in Mexico with that. You've supported us very strong, very heavy. So what I've done in the last 40 years in Mexico, you've been a big part of all of that. I want to say thank you. I've just finished. I'm just putting the final touches on the most beautiful building that I have ever built in all of Mexico. Most of our churches cost about 15,000, 20,000. This is not one of those most churches. This cost about three-quarters of a million dollars. 
It's a major headquarters, a major headquarters. We'll have medical facilities, have dormitories, three stories high, absolutely beautiful. And I tell everybody, that's the caboose of a very long train that pulled out 40 years ago from the depot. That's the caboose. But you know, I know, I know somebody that has a way of unhitching the caboose and putting a few more boxcars in there. So I have no idea what he's going to say about this. But whatever he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I can. Walking cane or no walking cane, whatever he bids me to do, I will do my best to do it. And I will have this church with me. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Tanya, thank you. To the leadership of this church, thank you so much. I have a message to, oh, and by the way, on that letter that I wrote, this last one, I began by saying, I believe Satan is mad at me. All that that happened to Mary Lou, but yet she shouldered it all. I'm grateful for that. I think the devil was mad at me. But if he's mad at me, imagine how he's going to be when I get back to Mexico. I'm going to build two more mission churches and a pastoral home in January and February. So, Mary Lou, you might ought to go with me, or there's no telling what you're going to bear the burden of. Good to be with you. God bless you big. I want to help somebody today. I want to help you. And I know before I even began preaching this message, I know good and well that a number of you are going to understand this very personally. I want to preach on the 23rd Psalms. You know it probably by heart. Title of the message would be Dark Valley. Begins in verse 1. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now let's stop right there and tell you that's a pretty good beginning of a message. The Lord is my shepherd. I've seen many shepherds throughout Mexico, shepherds that sit all day long taking care of their flocks, taking care, guiding them from one pasture to the other, from one grazing place to the other. A long, long day for a shepherd. Shepherd never leaves his flock. He's always there to make sure that they're taken care of. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I shall not be in need. 
The Lord is going to take care of everything that I need of, is what David is saying. He's my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack. He will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I like that. Not eating dry, burn-up grass and weeds. It's the very best that he has to offer. And he makes me, uh, he allows me to rest in the bountiful blessings of my, of my shepherd. He leads me by the still waters. Not rushing, not cascading, but quiet, gentle waters. If I was a Cajun, I would say, that's like living heaven on earth. Those first verses of that scripture. First three verses, absolutely wonderful. Les Bonton Roulet, I think you Cajun might call that, huh? Let the good times roll. I wish that, I wish that he would have stopped at the end of three verses. What a wonderful psalm that would have been. Everything is possible. Everything is wonderful. You have need of nothing. He's going to guide you himself in the path of righteousness. You don't even have to worry about how you're going to make it. He's going to take care of all of that. What a beautiful first three verses. You know, it would have been okay if it had six verses like he did, but he could have left the fourth one out. I don't like that verse. Not at all. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In another translation, it says, Yea, though I walk through the deep, deep, dark valley. I want to tell you today, there are some valleys that are very deep, very long, very dark. Now, some, I have a relative, I hope none of my brothers are here today, I hope not. But I have a brother that's always looking for an illness, can't find one. My other, my older brother and I used to say, <clears throat> he's always looking for a heart attack, but he can't find it. <clears throat> Everybody <clears throat> that has an illness in my family, he's got the same illness. I had both knees operated on. He had both knees operated on. I said, show me your scar. Well, I don't have a scar. That's a miracle right there. Operate on, on your knee and not have a scar. But every, I'm serious, everything that anybody in the family has, he's got it. Well, that's not a deep valley. That's what we call ditches. Either side of the road of life, you have some ditches. That's not what we're talking about. 
we're talking about a valley that is so deep and so dark, dark and so hopeless in the natural, you just don't know how you're going to make it. Valleys of depression. Valleys of sickness. Valleys of separation. Valleys of divorce. Valleys after valleys after valleys. When you, when there is no answer, that, that's a deep valley. There's no hope whatsoever. You're just struggling along, hoping, hoping. Hope against hope. That's a deep valley. But David said, I have peace in the valley. How in the world can you have peace in a dark, deep valley when everything in your life is going wrong? You tell me about that. Think about it. Next time you read this psalm, don't just fly through it. Think about what you're reading. In the depth of discouragement, in the depth of failure, in the depth of everything physically, materially, financially, uh, family life, everything is coming apart on you. David said, I have peace. Peace in the valley. Now, how is it that David could have peace? When you walk into a dark house, it's pitch black. You do not know. You can't see your hand in the front of you. You walk into that dark light. You're bumping into everything. You trip over the furniture. You bump into the side of the wall. It's dark. It's dark. You cannot see your hand in the front of your face. It's dark, dark, dark. But if you reach over and feel on the wall and there's a little switch, when you flip it on, the darkness is gone. Vanishes. But there is a light. And David walked in faith by that light. Jesus said, I am the light. And he who follows me walketh not in darkness. You may not see that light. But there is a light. Where the sun shines, there is no shadow. Where the sun shines, there is no shadow. Know that in the midst of your dark valley, there is a light. We just need to trust in the switch that is going to demolish all of the darkness around us. Do you understand me today? I'm going to tell you a few stories, and then I'll close on time, I think. But like he said, right now, I'm the boss. I I was preaching for Sam Hen one time. You know, Sam and Benny and those boys. We had I preached three services, 8 till 10, 10 till 12, and 12 till 2. And I was standing there talking to his mom, who spoke very broken English. Somebody had mentioned Benny. And she said, Benny, no God. 
Benny is not God. But I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about David. Larry, no David. I am not David. I cannot walk in that dark valley and not worry and fight and do my best to destroy the, the problems myself. That's my nature. David, in valley after valley, he proved that he knew the light and he knew that everything was going to be all right. And he went through some dark, dark valleys in his years. You know what causes the darkness of a valley? It's that thing that you carry with you that's blocking the light. In place of me looking for the light, worshiping the light, waiting on the light, I have a tendency to spend all of my time trying to destroy whatever's standing between me and that light. That's no good. That's my weakness. I do everything that I can to carry that load myself. David had a way of waiting, and the light always shone in David's valley, brought him through every single valley. God never left David. Even in the midst of his darkest moments, he was there. God was there. I'm going to give you two examples from the Bible. And then I'm going to give you two personal examples. I didn't mention, but there is a wave of suicide sweeping our country. I sympathize with you. There's a suicide in your family. I have several in my family. Read the letter of, a, of my nephew as day after day he walks out, puts a gun into his mouth, couldn't pull the trigger, walks back in, sits down, writes a letter to my sister. A number of letters. What torment must have gripped that boy's heart to make him want to take his life? What, what pain? What, what horror and pain gripped him every single day until he finally had enough nerve to just pull the trigger. That's a deep valley. That's a deeper valley as I know of. That's a deep, deep valley. But you can't give in to your weakness, to your sickness, to your problem. You have to keep on walking. Never stop. Keep on walking. Keep on believing. Day after day, week after week, month after month, just keep on walking. Let me give you a, a good example. Joseph. What a wonderful life Joseph had. 17 years age, favorite in his family. His dad's favorite boy. Second favorite would have been little Benjamin. But Joseph, firstborn of the woman that he really loved, Rachel. He would do anything for his boy. Made him that beautiful coat of many colors. You remember that 
in the Bible. 17 years old, has, has everything that a young man at his time would want. Then all of a sudden he walks into the valley of the shadow of death. He's thrown into a pit by his own brothers. Pulled out of that pit and, and sold to a group of traders on their way into Egypt. 17 years old, thrown into Potiphar's house. 17 years old, temptations after temptation, striking that young man. But you keep on walking. You don't give up. You just keep on walking. You just keep on waiting for the light. You just keep on. You wait another day. Tomorrow could be different. Tomorrow could be different. Come on. Tomorrow you may make it. Tomorrow it might change. Just keep on walking. And that's what Joseph did. Thirteen years. How long have you been in your valley? How, how long has this this torment affected your life. Thirteen years he kept walking in the dungeon, out of the dungeon, betrayed by those that he had favored in the dungeon. Time after time, thirteen years, that's a long time. By the way, before I forget it, I think you're supposed to give thanks to God for everything. Well, I want to say thank God. I didn't marry that young lady that talked about your your uh, wild game supper. I'm glad Meredith came along. I'd have a hard time living with that one young lady. But even in the midst, in the midst of your valley of your shadow of death, you keep on walking. Young man, whoever you are, keep on walking. Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Thirteen years. At the age of 30, he walks out of that valley. He's number two now in all of Egypt. Walked for 13 years. But he lived for 110 years. You don't stop. Do you hear me? Let me quieten it down. Let me look at you face to face. You that are in that valley. Whatever the cause is, you don't quit. You don't quit. There's nothing but defeat if you quit. Keep walking. There is a tomorrow. There is a tomorrow. Keep on walking. I'll give you another example. His name was Job. What a man Job was. Greatest man, the Bible says, of the East. Blameless. How many people in this auditorium this morning are blameless? I would ask that to the ladies, but I don't want you to be embarrassed when Mary Lou lifts her hand. At least that's what she always tells me. Blameless, great man, greatest of the East, everything going 
his way. And then he steps off into the valley. 7,000 sheep. 3,000 camels. 500 yokes of oxen. 500 uh, female donkeys. And enough servants to take care of all of them. Now that's a pretty good place to be. That's kind of like the first three verses. It's kind of like let the good times roll. But then he enters into the valley, one of the darkest valleys recorded in all of the Bible. Someone approaches him and says to him, All of your sheep, all, all of your, your oxen and your female donkeys have been taken and your servants killed. And I'm the only one that escaped to bring you back the news. While he is yet speaking, another one approaches and says to him, Another band of the Chaldean came and they took all the rest of the animals that you had. I'm the only one, only one left to come and give you the bad news. You're deeper in that valley. It's darker now. You've lost your animals, you've lost your servants. But you still have your children and you still have your health and you still have that wonderful encouraging wife. And so while he's yet speaking, the Bible says, Another one came and said to him, a very strong wind came, flattened the house where all of your children were celebrating, and every one of them are dead. You think you've got a valley? You think you have a deep valley? You've lost children. But have you ever lost ten at one time? Quite a valley. Now add to that, Satan touched him, and he lost his health. Deeper and deeper he goes into that dark, dark valley. But like David, he had faith. He believed in the light. He's sitting on ashes, scraping the sores from the head to the feet off his body. That's a pitiful picture, isn't it? Sad. Now comes that wonderful moment when the wife that he married, that gave birth to those kids, looked at him and said, Do you still retain your integrity? Cursed. God and die. How much deeper can a man slide in the valley than having even his wife turn against him? Are you hearing me? You're in a valley. Some of you, I know you are. I know you are. But I love what Job said, 19th chapter. He said, Oh, that my words were written in a book. 
Brother Job, I'm here to tell you, they are written in a book and have been read for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know in the midst of that valley, lifts up his head and said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And at the last, he shall stand on the earth. And even after my skin is destroyed, yet with my flesh, I shall see God. I will behold him with my eyes and not another. That's in the midst of his valley. That's in the darkest time of his life. But he kept on walking. Just keep on walking. Children of God, keep on marching. Children of God, that old spiritual uh, Negro song that my dad gave me the record of, a record of them 60-some years ago. Children of God, you got to keep on marching. And one of these days, we shall be home. Hallelujah. You don't quit. You don't give up. You just keep on marching. Well, Joseph saw three generations of his family. Moses, uh, uh, Noah saw four generations. Bible said, after this, after this, after he was restored, his health, his family, his wealth, all of this, for another Cajun word, a little lanyap, he lived 140 more years. You don't give up. No matter how deep or how dark or how lonely or how how you feel, you just keep on marching. Keep on marching. Now, I said I would give you two personal. I would like for number one to be shown. You see this man? The purpose of my entire ministry was to disciple this man. His name is Carlos Tobia. Cortez. I was with him a few days ago. He is over all that I do in the southern part of Mexico. He's president of more than 200 credentialed ministers. He told me the other day, he said, there must be at least 20,000 Christians now. But it hasn't always been this nice. Good looking man, isn't he? Sorry, ladies. Young man married a preacher's daughter, real legalistic preacher, would not allow the girl to do anything, kept her under the thumb. But he resigned the church and left. And Carlos married his daughter. Beautiful girl. But in a little while, she wanted to taste what she had missed in life. Wanted to see what it was to have a little fun in the world. Stayed out a little bit later in the afternoon. Stayed out until early part of the night. Then she wouldn't even come home at night. And when she came home, she said, Carlos, I no longer want to be married. Young man, pastoring his church. And now he has this valley, deep valley. 
I have until another 10 minutes, five. So he goes to the pulpit and he says to his congregation, open your Bibles to Psalms 23. And he preaches Psalms 23. Imagine how hard it was to live a preacher's life when everybody knew what was happening in the family. Think about it. Are you living in a valley or are you living in a ditch? If you're living in a ditch, step out of it and worship God. If you're in a valley, know that you have to keep on marching. Ten years, ten years to the day, it goes back to the, to the pulpit. Ten years to the day. He said, open your Bibles to Psalms 23. He said, I've just exited the valley. And I want to invite you to my wedding in two weeks. Go to that next picture. This is Carlos Tavia Cortez's church. Torre Fuerte. Behind that church is a medical facility. Behind that is a big gymnasium. Behind that are dormitories. He's a pastor of that church. He is over, over 20,000 believers, more than 200 churches. I would say he came out of that valley pretty good. But by the way, I told you he invited them to their wedding. Let's see what that wedding produced. That's his family today. Don't quit walking. Don't quit walking. Please, please, don't die in that dumb, stupid valley. Just keep on. Pick up a cane or, or, or a buggy or something and push. But keep on walking. Don't give up. That's proof of what God can do. But I, I'll close, but not yet. I don't want to fall up here. You'd laugh at me. I might as well fall. You laughed anyway. I want to go to the next picture. You see those two young men? One's a little younger than the other. The one in the blue shirt, he's 25 years old. I mean, there are no problems for a 25-year-old. Handsome, young, everything surely has gone well with him. Would you show the next picture? There he is with his family, 21, four years ago. Great family. Grandfather, grandmother, mother, niece. They were leaving Atoyak and driving up on the highway to the mountains. And he left the highway and rolled and rolled and rolled down the mountain. But when he stopped, everyone was dead but Jose Zavala. He said to me, 
You don't know how I felt when I looked at the five coffins carrying the bodies of my entire family. Like I said, you may just be in a ditch or you may be in a deep valley. He entered a deep valley, lost everything he had in a moment's time. But you just keep on walking. He never stopped walking. He kept on walking. Go to the second picture. Oh, this is the church he's going to be pastoring. Two weeks ago, I was there. I installed him as the pastor of this church in Atoyat, Guerrero. Because he kept on working. He kept on walking. He kept on believing. He believed in the light. Do you get the the meaning of this message? I want you to stand. Now there there is another verse other than that fourth verse. David goes on and says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Joseph will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Job will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Carlos Dovia Cortez will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jose Zavala will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you who are in the midst of your valley, Pastor Trump, you're in the midst of your valley. Know too that there is an end to the valley. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. There's a beginning. There's an ending. You just keep on walking and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And my prayer is that everything that Satan has touched you will, as in Job's case, will be restored twice. Twice what Satan took takes from you. God will give it back to you. God bless you.